Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about what a fool looks like. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and like Paul said, I am a fool for Christ. You know, according to most people, not very wise. I'm weak. I'm dishonorable. And you know what? I'm okay with that. And we're going to talk about why today. You know, to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, we must be ready to be called a babbler. The world will look at us from time to time and say that we seem strange. We seem foolish. In Acts chapter 17, verse 18, we read about a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who began to debate with Paul. And some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. You know, Paul, who's the writer of a large portion of what is undeniably the most influential book in human history, was called a babbler. He was called a fool. And if we walk in the example of Christ, if we walk in the example of his followers like Paul, then we need to be ready to go to the philosophers and the politicians and our academic institutions and be ready to be seen as fools. We must be, in fact, fools for Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this remarkable passage, of course, through the inspiration of the Spirit, about the sufficiency of God's Word. And he says, we don't need to add to God's Word because it already has everything we need. And that's foolish to some people. He says in verse 9, for it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, but we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We're in rags. We're brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. And when we are cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. The apostles and those who imitate them are the garbage of the world, fools to men, rejected just like our Savior was. But wait a second, I thought Christians were supposed to rely on eternal wisdom. Shouldn't that make us, I don't know, better than garbage? You know, that's the charge that's often leveled at Christians. Our beliefs and the writings they're rooted in are garbage. At best, the world says the Bible's a, a book of myths and fables that may have some good morals, but nothing you can't learn from Dr. Seuss. At worst, they say that the Bible is a, a man-made religion that makes people uncomfortable and the teachings should be eradicated. Either way, Christ and the faith he inspires is foolishness to the world. If so, let's be proud to be called fools for Christ. But does this accusation hold water? You know, the Bible purports to reveal wisdom greater than anything mankind has ever handled. So how can it both be foolish and wise? You know, Christianity, it's always going to be foolishness to the world because the world is always going to look at things as they are. But Christ sees things as they could be. You know, all of the greatest philosophers throughout history have rolled out of bed in the morning to see a world marred by sin. 
they each fell on a, a different mark on the sliding scale of how good or evil people are, and that shaped how they wrote we should respond to the people around us. But ultimately, even if they theorized that people were basically good, they still had to come to grips with the ever-present evil in the world. That's a major crux of just about every philosophical worldview we know of, reacting to what is happening right now. Christ, on the other hand, said to stop focusing as much on the present, but look forward to the future. So first, let's establish the why, and then we can talk about the how. Why do we need to, from time to time, close our eyes to the present? What is happening right now is deceiving. It may seem like this is all there is, but this is just a blip in eternity. Paul writes in Romans 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently, Paul writes. You know, I love that passage because this is, it's such a vivid explanation for everything we see right now and why it seems so wrong. God did not create us to suffer. We do, but that's not how we were made. And it's not how things will end for those who love the Lord. Christ asks us, to look forward to the future, because even while the whole earth is groaning, we can have hope for the coming glory. That's foolishness to the world. They cannot understand why they should allow themselves to suffer. They don't understand how we can be okay with that. Another reason we look forward to the future is because it's truly the only thing we can rely on. Our present situation is always at risk of changing in a blink of an eye. If we put too much trust in our, our comfort here on earth, then we set ourselves up for disappointment. If we put our trust in an eternal hope that comes from the promises of Jesus, then we can't be disappointed though. James wrote in James 4.13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You know, Jesus warns us not to focus too hard on the present circumstances because they're fleeting. He, he calls that kind of wisdom boasting. Put your trust in him, not the mist that is this life. That's why we focus on the future instead of the present and why we should be willing to be called fools in the process. First, the pain and suffering we see now, it's not natural. It warps our perspective. And second, 
our present circumstances and our life itself is fleeting. Now that's why. Now let's talk about how. How do we change our attitude and our actions to look forward instead of being stuck in the present? You know, I'd submit that this entire book is truly an instruction manual to accomplish that ambitious goal. But I want to zero in on a, a couple of specific into the world foolish examples of how we do this. You know, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it said eye for eye and tooth for tooth. That's the, the world's wisdom, right? But I tell you, Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And he goes on to tell us that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and on and on and on. All these things that the world will say, you can't get much more foolish than that. Letting someone slap you and steal from you and persecute you. That is what the world would call grade A foolishness. But Christ says, this is what true wisdom looks like. This is what looking towards the future and when sin is conquered completely, this is what that looks like. James writes in his third chapter, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, uh, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The world doesn't see wisdom like Christ does. They think if you focus on yourself, if you lie to get your way, if you're selfish, that as long as you don't get caught, you'll probably get ahead in life. You certainly don't want to allow yourself to get slapped. You certainly don't want to allow yourself to get hurt. But they think that because this is all they can see. They can only see the present. Christ is eternal. He knows that there are things that are so much more important than what we can see right in front of us, our present circumstances. And that's why he allowed himself to be crucified. He said, true wisdom is peace-loving, considerate, submissive, merciful, impartial, sincere. Those qualities, they may seem foolish right now. Allowing yourself to be crucified may seem foolish right now, but it reaps eternal reward. The world may never see the wisdom I aspire to as it is, but if I am going to be called a fool, let me be a fool for Christ. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. Hey there, thank you for listening through this episode of Rooted Daily. We think it's so important that you grow with Christ continually using the Word of God as your only foundation. That's why we release these episodes every weekday so you can root yourself daily in the Bible. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you don't miss us. And if you think a friend would benefit from hearing this good news, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready now to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, 
shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com.